Hello and welcome to the Data Dialogue. In this episode, I'm joined by David Hancock, Healthcare Executive Advisor for Intersystems and who is also the Vendor Co-Chair at Interopen. Hello and welcome, David. Hello, John. Nice to be here. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how better reporting of data can offer an overwhelming amount of transformation capabilities within the healthcare sector. Um, David, it, it would be great to get an insight into your role at Interopen to kick things off and how being co-chair at Interopen also influences what you do at Intersystems. Well, John, Interopen is a group uh, in the UK which is made up of organisations from the National Health Service, from social care, it's also made up of software suppliers to the NHS and social care, and it's made up of standards organisations focused on interoperability. And what Interopen is doing is trying to drive the adoption of open interoperability standards across the NHS and social care. Too often in the past, we have found that standards have been defined, but they have basically been defined and left on the shelf and have not been successfully adopted. And so what we're trying to do is drive the adoption of those interoperability standards so we can improve that data liquidity data around the health and care system to better help it function. So for me, um, in helping me in what I do in my role in intersystems, it really does give me a really great view on the views within the NHS in terms of what, what they need and what they're looking to do. And also understanding the kind of the common problems that suppliers have in trying to implement interoperability within their solutions and actually drive their adoption. Okay, thanks, David. I mean, obviously, once you have that data liquidity, once you can meaningfully move data from one place to another, that then gives the ability to consolidate that data, to bring it together, and then to present analyses and views of that data from a number of different perspectives, whether that's uh, real-time operational uh, perspectives or longer-term population health health analytics and indeed clinical research uh, that might be going on within the university hospitals or within in the pharmacos. Reaching beyond that, though, is not only a reporting which is within healthcare, but also reaching outside of the traditional healthcare domains, whether that's supply chain or whether that's social care. I'm quite interested to see how far this adoption has got. David, from your perspective, what types of initiatives are you seeing within healthcare from those who are trying to adopt or change their, their processes and procedures in order to improve operations by by capitalising on better reporting and analysis of data? Well, this is something which many organisations are trying to do. The fact is, is that the NHS itself is, is reorganising, and this is sort of common in health systems around the world, where it's moving more to a regional basis. And so in England, we have 42 integrated care systems that are being set up, and that contains acute care, primary care, community mental health, and social care. We see similar things already in sorry, Scotland and what have you. This is giving people now the opportunity to be able to get data together that they've never been able to do before, to be able to do the kinds of analysis you're talking about. But I'd actually sort of preface sort of what I go further on and say about you know these kinds of initiatives to be able to drive the support of integrated care systems are doing uh, in the UK. You know, it's still most definitely 
a journey and not a destination. And whilst sort of the UK is on the right path, I think that the health systems are underestimating just how much data and how much its capability they'll need to pull more integrated care off. And so it's going to take time. But the thing is, is they're starting on this journey and starting this journey is is what's really, really important. You know, so, for example, the kinds of things that I'm seeing are, you know, examples where organizations need to be able to sort of trigger alerts for immediate actions based on events that occur as part of a preventative program. Because we want to be able to focus on prevention wherever we can, rather than treating people after after they get sick. So, for example, with one of our customers, Lincolnshire Integrated Care System, you know, they've implemented neighbourhood teams to look after the population of frail elderly people and help them live well at home and keep them out of hospital. So not only do we need sophisticated ways of identifying people who should be in the cohort, which uh, we need to be able to trigger alerts when certain events occur. For example, when one of these people have an unplanned admission to hospital, the team should be notified as the earlier they're aware, they can plan and make arrangements for the patients to be discharged as early as possible. After all, with this cohort, the longer they stay in hospital, the more they decondition and the harder it is to discharge them. So closing the loop with alerts combined with analytics is key. And that's a, a really important thing which, which we need to successfully do across health and social care. But I'd also counsel people on the difficulty to identifying these cohorts, because this is really quite difficult. For example, for frail elderly, how would you define somebody as being in this category? What diagnoses would you expect? Is there an age band? Is it about if they live on their own? This is really hard. And the integration with the widest possible data set, it's vital. I've seen that the best indicator of whether someone is frail is if they have an assisted bin collection. And that is only data you get from your local council, nothing to do with your health. So you need a platform that can combine these disparate data sets and allow you to be able to do this kind of meaningful analysis. It, that's really interesting you talk about that, David. And I think it's not just um, the examples that you, you've described here which are, are relevant to this discussion. Um, I think in some ways it, it's worth looking at uh, some parallels that have occurred with, with other organisations. If you look at some of our more longer-standing customers, so for example, some of the, the the big information exchanges in the US where they they might be looking at, at health events across a population in excess of 20 or 30 million people. I, I know that we've seen big improvements in in the well-being of the the citizens, the patients, the people within uh, that population from what have been very simple sorts of interactions. So, for example, contacting people uh, in need of some sort of preventative programme within 24 hours of them having an interaction with the healthcare system, for example, has been shown to have a much greater impact than trying to just phone people up um, in an unsolicited manner and say, actually, we think you ought to be thinking about talking to us about making these changes to your lifestyle or, or whatever that might be. So having notifications to so the care teams of somebody coming into A&E or meeting with, their, with a GP can have a, a big impact on the effectiveness of these sort of transformational programmes. And similarly, applying analytics to, to the data that flows across these sorts of platforms to identify cohorts, as you said, that perhaps we can take action on. So again, another simple example was to identify people at risk of falling 
and would therefore perhaps benefit from being given a walker to support them in moving around the house. Uh, again, there's some very interesting metrics as to how beneficial such a program can be. And once you have the data, doing those very simple types of program can have a, a, a big impact on the overall health of the population and ultimately the costs to provide that health care and social care across the whole of the country. I would add, it's, it's when you realise once you've got a pretty comprehensive data set, what you could begin to do about it. Because we know that the biggest indicator or the biggest determinant of how long you're going to live for and your number of healthy life years is your postcode. It's not your genes. So in that kind of context, understanding those social determinants is also really, really important for when you want to be doing sort of population health, when you want to be able to identify in cohorts, when you're doing things. One of the things, again, which um, has got has sort of had some interesting benefits is how you can get to hard to reach communities, particularly those which might be from a particular ethnicity or religious background. And therefore, how you can go in through things like faith groups to be able to go in and help improve the engagement around their healthcare and how you can improve their health. And again, this needs a wholly different type of data set. Pure healthcare organisations have had in the past. But once you've got that, that becomes a key to be able to unlock the issues around the, the thorny sort of the thorny problems around how you're able to address public health. Public health starts in the community and how you do that. And so that, again, is something which is very interesting to be able to do with this kind of analytics capability. How do you see that sort of intersystems technologies can provide a sort of step change in getting hold of that data and surfacing it into a way that is applicable and useful? Well, this goes back to why the interoperability at the outset is really, really important, because if data is really heavily fragmented um, across health and social care, and it's in different formats, different structures. So we need to be able to, to, to connect to it, to be able to extract it, to be able to aggregate it in some way. We need to be able to deduplicate it and normalize it. Yeah, that at the core is something we need to be able to do across our, our different data sets. And of course, we have got some great capabilities to be able to do that, you know, across our products and to be able to then be able to store that in a way in which you can then have that ready to go with your with your analytics and being able to deploy numbers of different analytic solutions and, and techniques on top of that. Um, so I think that, you know, those things around being able to, where necessary, be able to create a clean longitudinal record of data, which is then primed and ready to do analytics on top of, is really, really powerful. And being able to use that, as, as we've spoken about, not only to be able to use for real-time alerting, where you want to be able to inject things and that happen and, and to make it actionable by injecting things directly into somebody's clinical system, you know, such as this patient has just been admitted into hospital. I think you, you need to go and you know, you as a carer or you as someone in their care team need to know that and 
and do something about it, or to be able to do more high-level sort of population health across the uh, aggregated data. We need to recognise that it's we need sort of horses for courses and things things that we can do. The thing about health, though, is is that we can have vast amounts of data, and it needs to be hugely, hugely scalable that we need to be able to get to. And I think that John is is really important how we can do things at scale to be able to achieve this. And I know that there's things which we've also looked at doing, as you talked about already in the um, in the US, where we've got some very, very large data sets. Yeah, and I, I think that ability to scale is is very, very true. It's very interesting that the way in which Systems Iris for Health can cope with that scale uh, at the same time as consuming data from those various different connected sources and then surfacing it into and applying the output of uh, a different AI frameworks in a way which enables you to do population health in a predictive manner as well as a reactive manner. The analytics that go alongside that in terms of dashboarding, in terms of data exploration to look for previously um, undiscovered relationships between information that's lurking within the, these disparate data sets is, is something that I'm finding quite exciting in terms of uh, the work that a number of our, our customers are doing. The, there's quite a lot of um, emphasis today on presenting data in a, in a robust and appropriate manner into research environments. And I think this is something that we're seeing more and more of uh, with regards to using InterSystems Iris for Health as a data source and as a, a way of providing curated, controlled, clean data into those sorts of clinical research environments whereby people can much more easily home in on the data that they really need rather than uh, being consumed in terms of wading through a morass of data that may actually be dirty, may actually be ill-structured, may not be uh, semantically normalised. So addressing all those sorts of problems that is really where Iris for Health, Intercisms Iris for Health, provides benefits. Yeah, and I, and I think that obviously one, one, one of the things following on from that is the fact that there's a lot of talk, again, because of in, in healthcare, there is concern that from a number of um, you know existing clinical system vendors, the data is difficult to be able to get access to. And there's a talk certainly in the UK about wanting to be able to, they talk about separating the uh, apps from the data. So that you know your data is there and is in a is in a place where it can be easily accessed to be able to do various things. Included in that must be analytics. So again, the the, the fact that RS for Health has a strong interoperability capabilities that means we can take data out of just about any system and then apply these high quality, highly scalable analytics to it to be able to try and answer many questions that, uh, that people have um, is extremely powerful. And sort of with that idea of separating apps from data is getting um, increasingly attractive to various healthcare organisations. Okay, I think we're just about coming to an end of our time for today, David. So I'd like to say thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, John. It's been a pleasure. Been very interesting, very insightful, and I think it's clear that we could carry on this discussion for for probably hours. Join us for the uh, for the next episode. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>